This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg We are in the middle of letter 5, page 78. The Alter Rebbe just finished explaining why the letter Yud is the source for the world to come, the Garden of Eden, where the soul lives after the afterlife. And he explained because the Yud represents the essence of wisdom, the subconscious, the beyond words, and although the Garden of Eden, the world to come, is really a world of pleasure which comes from grasping and understanding godliness which comes from words and letters, but the words and letters themselves really are the source of words and letters come from the subconscious. And last week we learned at great length from our own personal experience, that we see where does the ability to speak and where do words and letters come from? They come from a deeper place than, they come from the subconscious. We don't consciously decide how to speak and what letters and sounds to make. We can go through our entire life and not even be aware of what we just, what just happened, how we speak and what goes into speech. And speech is so complex and yet we're totally blissfully unaware of the complexity of speech because it's something that the soul comes from the soul it's not a, a mechanical function speech is not a mechanical function it's not like a parrot that speaks it's not like playing instruments it's a soul the soul wants to speak the soul has letters the soul has sound and when the soul decides to speak the body automatically the lips and the tongue and the throat and the palate and the, everything comes together to express the desire of the soul to speak. So we see that words and letters are rooted in the subconscious, and that's why the rabbis say that Yud is the source of the world to come. But then that leg, leaves the question why the rabbis also say that the hay is the source of this world. Why is the hay the source of this world? If, if Yud represents the subconscious and all letters are rooted in the Yud, in the subconscious. So this world should also be rooted in the Yud. Why do the rabbis say that the root of this world is the He? That's what Alter Rebbe begins to explain now in the middle of um, letter 5, page 78. And Alter is going to explain that there are two parts to a letter. There's the soul of the letter and there's the body of the letter. The soul of the letter is rooted in the subconscious. But the body of the letter, the physical body of the letter, the actual speech, 
the speech comes from is the external part of the letter. Where does speech come from? It comes from the breath, comes from your heart and through the lungs. And when the breath passes through the five different options, through the larynx or through the lips or through the tongue and the the palate and the the back of the mouth, the back of the uh, of the uh, teeth. So through the teeth, all of this, this is how the physical letter forms. Then you have the internal part of the letter, which comes from the subconscious. But then you have the physical letter, the physical speech, which comes through a physical uh, breath and through the physical movements of the mouth and the passing of the breath. So the Garden of Eden, the afterlife, they're rooted in the internal part of the letters, the source of the letters, which come from the subconscious. And that creates the spiritual world, the Garden of Eden, the world of pleasure. But this world, we are rooted in the physical part of the letter. And what's the source of all letters, the physical source of all letters? It's the letter He. Because the He is the Ha. Ha is the breath that comes from the heart. It's the physical um, breath that comes, from the, that comes from the heart and through the lungs. So therefore, since we are rooted in the external, we are rooted in the physical part, that's why... We are blocked. In this world, we are blocked. We cannot access the spirit. We can only sense the external, the material. We cannot access the godly. We have that screen. We have that block. We can only, to us, the world is very tangible and very material. And spirituality and godliness and holiness to us is an abstraction. It's not something we can experience, something we can learn, we can study, we can discuss, but it's not something we can actually experience. Only in the soul, in the afterlife, the Garden of Eden, there the soul gets to experience, there the soul experiences the revelation of the internal part of the letters, the root of the letters, which is the subconscious, which is the soul. And therefore, that's the world of revelation, that's the world of the revelation of of godliness. Well, this world, godliness is concealed and hidden, and it's a total abstraction. We only get the external, the material, the tangible. That's real to us. That's what we experience. And everything else is otherworldly to us. Holiness, spirituality, and godliness. So that's what he's going to explain here. Until this point, the Alter Rebbe has explained the Talmudic teaching that the world to come was created by the letter Yud. The Sefer of Chachma, which is the, this letter represents, is the spiritual source of Gan Eden, which is in the world to come. However, according to the above, since the letters of the supernal creative speech derive from Chachma, it would seem that this world, which is, was also created by the letters of divine speech, was likewise created from the letter Yud that represents Chachma. Why then do our sages teach that only the world to come was created from the letter Yud, while this world was created from the letter He? 
The Alta Rebbe therefore now goes on to explain that the letters of speech are composed of matter and form, the body and soul, or the external and internal aspects of the letters. While the form of the letters does indeed derive from Chachma, the matter of the letters of speech merely derives from the heart. So too, above the internal aspect of the letters derives from Chachma, from the aspect are created the higher spiritual beings, which are able to apprehend godliness. However, the external aspect of the supernal letters of speech derives from breath, the hay of the divine name. It is from this lesser level that the physical world was created. In the words of the Alter Rebbe, however, the letters exist on planes of matter and form, which are also referred to as their internal aspect, which is their soul, and their external aspect, the matter, which is their body, although their sources is the primordial stage of the intellect and the will of the soul. For as soon as the soul desires to speak, these letters are formed as explained above. This is but the form of the differentiation in the pronunciation of the 22 letters. The matter and body of their formation, however, the aspect of their externality, is the breath issuing from the heart. From this breath is formed a simple sound which proceeds from the throat, and which is then divided into the 22 kinds of enunciation and expression of the 22 letters. These divisions taking place through the five known organs of speech, Aleph, Chet, Hay, and Anyan, through the throat, Gimel, Yud, Kaf, and Kuf, through the palate, and so on. While the breath itself, which has its own sound independent of the letter being spoken, is uttered by the letter Hay, the light letter, inasmuch as it lacks the substance of a complete letter. From all the letters, this is the lightest of all letters. Ha! It's the breath. It's really the, all letters start with the, come from the breath. So the ha represents all of the letters. It's the lightest, the lightest touch. Hey, ha. It's just a breath, a very little, just the expression of the pure sound. Which is the source of the matter and body of the letters before their division into 22 the hay is thus the source of each letter's body. And that is why our sages of blessed memory said that this world was created by the hay. It was created by the external aspect or body of the supernal letters whose source is the hay of the divine name. We cannot get past the body, the external. The body covers up on the inside. The uh the internal aspect of a letter, which until we study this, we were not even aware of the internal aspect of the letters, how deeply rooted the letters are, because letters appear to be very external, very superficial. Words and letters are for somebody else. You don't need words and letters for yourself. Words and letters are, are f- for, for someone else, not for yourself. So it would seem that the words and letters are completely, are completely external. But on the other hand, words and letters are, are very deeply rooted. Because a person's ability 
to express himself, a person's need to be able to talk to others and communicate to others and express himself to others, that comes from a very deep place within the person. Because it shows you that you're not limited to yourself. Intellect, which appears to be the soul of letters, because what are letters? Letters are just like vehicles. Whatever content you put into the letters, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling. So these were these the content of the letter, which is the intellect, but the intellect is limited. Person, you don't need anyone to think. On the contrary, people who are intellectuals are ivory tower intellectuals. They like to be left alone because they they don't need anyone else. They can entertain themselves. They can think for themselves. A person versus emotions, a person who's not intellectual, thrives and needs other people. Thrives in other people, needs other people. Has relations with other people. A person who's intellectual is really a person alone, doesn't really need anyone. Just entertain himself and keep himself busy and think and just wants to be left alone. Just peace and quiet to think and to figure things out. It has no interest and doesn't need anyone. Where does speech come from? The need that we have to speak, the need that we have to communicate. Where does this come from? Because even emotions is also a very solitary thing. Because emotions, yes, emotions is my relations to those outside of me. I love them, I hate them. But they characterize me. I don't really need anyone. Even if no one is there, I still have emotions towards others. Yes, it's my relations to others, to those outside of me. But it's my, it characterizes me. Midot characterize me. I love, I hate, I'm kind, I'm not kind. But it's all about characterizing the person himself. Speech, however, is solely focused on the other person. You can't speak for yourself. There's no need to speak for yourself. Speech doesn't exist if you're all alone. Speech begins with the other person. We talk to ourselves. Yeah. And, and if you're a nudnik, you have a problem. <laughs> but, but, uh, but speech primarily, because we talk to ourselves like we're a stranger, like we were talking to someone else. But speech primarily is for others. If you're alone in an island, you don't need to speak. Speech is primarily for the others. It begins with the other person. When you're trying to treat yourself like someone else, you talk to yourself like someone else talks to you. Or you talk to yourself like you talk to someone else. But when you start singing? But, but speech is singing is yourself. But speech is for someone else. Singing is entertaining yourself. It's nothing to like thinking for yourself, so you, think, you sing for yourself. But um, speech it begins with the other person. There's no one to talk to. There's no speech. It's like a king. You can't be a king over yourself. <laughs> or it's like marriage. You can't marry. Even if you're God. So even if you think you're God and you're perfect, it begins with the other person. You have to forget about yourself. It begins with the other person. When there's another person, that's where speech begins. It's like you can't do business with yourself. You can do business with yourself, sell yourself, buy yourself. <laughs> business begins with a customer. It begins when you forget about yourself. It's not about you. 
the creative person is about the cre creativity, is about you. Your creativity, expressing your creativity, your brilliance, your genius, your creativity. You don't need anyone. The artist can sit and paint and draw and create. But business begins with the customer. Speech be begins with the outside, with the other person. So this flexibility, this ability to completely step outside of yourself and step into another person's shoes and get into their head, this, is, this comes from the deepest place in the soul. It comes from an egolessness. To be able to completely step outside of yourself and focus on the other person. You know, intellect is about me. It's limited to me. It's the highest form of me, but it's me. It's all about myself. But the ability to step outside of yourself, to step into someone else's shoes, to step into someone else's mind, to see the world from someone else's perspective, this is, this is the deepest place within, comes from the deepest place within the soul. The need that we have to communicate, the need that we have for relationships and communication, this comes from the deepest place within the soul. So yes, speech is external, but it's rooted in the deepest place. So the, but the speech itself is external. It's the breath, it's the voice, it's what the other person hears. It's not you, it's not what you're thinking, it's speaking. Speaking, physically speaking, is completely external. It's stepping outside of yourself. But what's the root of it? The root of it is in the deepest place within your soul. That's the internal part of speech. But the external, the speech itself, is completely external to the person. And they go hand in hand. By definition, speech is completely stepping outside of yourself. If you're alone, there's no need for speech. Speech begins with the other person. But it's precisely because it's so external, that's why it's so deeply rooted. So the internal aspect of speech is rooted in the subconscious, is rooted in the essence of wisdom, it's rooted in the deepest place within the soul. The soul is filled with letters and words. Because it's the ultimate expression, the ultimate flexibility of the soul, that it's not finite, it's not limited, it's able to completely step outside of itself and see itself through someone else's eyes. See the world through someone else's eyes. See reality through someone else's eyes. That's a rare quality. That's really what speech is about. To use a very practical example, People look at advertisement. Advertisement is something very superficial. Well, yeah, advertisement. But there's a lot of brilliance in advertisement. It's not the ultimate brilliance. You know, A, to be able to, as the convert comes to Hill and says, teach me the Torah, give me the Torah in a Madison Avenue, Madison Avenue soundbite. <laughs> That's basically what he asked. Give me the Torah, one, one word, one rule, one law. Boil down the whole Torah, 630 mitzvah, 10 commandments, 30 mitzvah. The whole Torah, give it to me on one foot. Shammai threw him out. You making fun? The whole Torah, we spend the whole lifetime learning. You want me to give it to you in one, one Madison Avenue soundbite? You're so superficial, you're so external. 
Hillel did not throw him out. Hillel says, yes, I'll give you the whole Torah. I'll sum it up in one soundbite. A person who's immersed, a person who's immersed, his whole life is his company, whatever he's doing, that's his whole life. He spent his whole life dreaming about it. He went for years to study it, and then he perfected it and mastered it. You want him to talk about his business? You have a few days, you have a week, a month, he'll sit and talk to you. But advertisement is, how do I talk to someone who couldn't care less about my business, knows nothing? I have 30 seconds to talk to him, to grab his interest, get his attention. How am I going to convey and communicate the essence of what I'm doing that will grab his attention and hook, hook in that stranger, that outsider, couldn't care less, doesn't know that he cares, that he should care, that he, he does care. He doesn't know anything about it. So who can, who can sum up, who can distill all that, my life experience of 50 years, how can, who can distill that in one single sentence in an advertisement? You have to bust your head, you have to break your head, you have to master, you have to cut away all the externals and the superficial and really grab the, get to the essence of what you're all about and get into the head of the other person, the customer. Get into their head and communicate your essence in a way that will make sense to them. That's, A, you have to be brutally honest. You have to completely get your ego out of the way. You have to really focus on the other person. And you really have to understand what you're really all about. Surprise, surprise, most people who their whole life is immersed in their own business they have no idea. They don't know where to begin. Tell them, okay, communicate, convey what you're all about to the stranger. They don't know where to begin. They have no idea. They'll talk and talk and talk, but they're missing the point. They never thought about it. They don't know how to convey it. They don't know how to communicate it. They don't know what to say, where to start. There's so much. as an ocean. How can I communicate it in one sentence? But if you're the master, then you could. If you really master the So the ability to really sum up and to really communicate and bring it out in simple words, to be simple is not so simple. <laughs> Rashi, who was the greatest rabbi, one of the greatest rabbis that ever lived, Rashi is an acronym for Rabban Shal Yisrael, the teacher of the Jewish people. His grandson, who, who wrote who's one of the main rabbis of the Tosfos, the commentary on the, on the Talmud, who argues many times with Rashi. He said, my grandfather's commentary on the Talmud, that I can, I can duplicate. But my grandfather, Rashi, my grandfather's commentary on the Torah, to explain the Torah to a five-year-old child, that I can't duplicate. To take this complex, Torah and everything has been written in the Torah and to be able to explain it simply that takes such a brilliance that takes such a master it's not simple being simple <laughs> being simple only the master could be simple to simplify complexity and to simplify it without but really conveying the truth the whole essence in simple terms not it could be simple and just, and just I'm not conveying anything. I'm not, com I'm not conveying anything. I'm being simple because I'm being a simpleton. 
But to be able to truly convey the essence of the message in a simple, in a simple way, this is what communication is. This is what advertising is. On one hand, you say it's very external. I'm conveying, I'm communicating in the most simple way to a stranger, uh, Madison Avenue, uh, lines, uh, you know, sound bites. I mean, it's, it doesn't get more superficial than that. On the other hand, there's nothing superficial about it. It takes a lot of genius, true genius, to be able to do that. To get straight to the point, to be able to hit home, to connect with the audience, to communicate to the, to the audience. Because the people who talk and talk and talk, they don't connect, they don't communicate, they don't convey. You know, after hours of talking, the person, the audience walks away, they have no idea what was just said. Oh, they say, oh, the rabbi is a brilliant rabbi. I have no idea what he said. <laughs> He's brilliant. <laughs> That's not communication. That's not connecting. It's not communicating. It's not conveying. But, so this ability, so on one hand, communication is very external, very superficial. Speech is very superficial. But where is it rooted at? The soul of speech. The soul of speech is rooted in the deepest place. And that's what the rabbis say. The you, the, the higher worlds, they are rooted in the inner part of speech, in the soul of speech, in the inner dynamics of speech, what's really going on when you speak, which is really rooted in Hashem, uh, so to speak, in the subconscious, which is rooted in the deepest levels. And therefore speech in the world to come, in the afterlife, the speech reveals and conveys the, the infinite light of Hashem which the soul gets to enjoy and experience and grasp, to grasp the, the, the ungraspable. And that's why it's a world of pleasure. And that's why it's the world of the reward, the eternal reward of the soul. But this world, all we get is the external. We get the speech itself. We get the soundbite. We get the words. Without appreciating, or even having the ability to appreciate the inner dynamics of the speech. So what we get, we get the, the superficial, the external, the soundbite. The, and that's why this world is so superficial and so external. And we always focus on the superficial, and we focus on the body, and we focus on the, any, any issue, and every issue we always focus on the body, and the external, and the superficial. And without the Torah, with, all we see is the superficial. We have the Torah. The Torah helps us focus on the internal, not focus on the body. But whatever we do, we should focus on the on what the inner dynamic, on the soul. The act of eating. It's not not just to focus on the external and the the body is hungry and the body needs to survive, so I'm eating. But to focus on the internal dynamic. What is eating really all about? What's really going on? What is eating? I make a blessing. I eat kosher. I, I take that energy and study Torah with it and do mitzvahs with it. And same thing with everything. Whether it's marriage, to focus on the spiritual, on the internal, what it really means on the inside. Not just the physical. And in every, every area, everything in life, the Torah reveals to us the divine, the godly. But without the Torah, the world on its own, the world just presents itself as on the most external level, the most superficial level. Everything is external, everything is superficial. 
because we are the product of the hay. We are the product of the physical speech, so to speak. The hay, which is the breath, the sound that actually is the word that contains the inner. But we focus on the external. We don't see the inner. You know, it's like, it's like um, if we would read a Japanese paper. Anyone, he anyone here speak, read Japanese? What would we focus on? Pictures. Yeah, the pictures <laughs> of the letters. That's what we would notice. The shape of the letters. Picture of the letters. But imagine someone who understands a language. He doesn't even see the letters. He, he, he's reading the content. And that's why I'm sure you all saw it. You know, they did a study where you can read a whole paragraph, and every word in the paragraph is wrong, spelled wrong, and yet you read it no problem, because you know what the word means. It's, it's wrong, it's spelled wrong. The letters are, are not in order. That, but, but, but you know exactly what? All texting nowadays. All texting, right? All texting, right? Very good. Right, exactly. But you know exactly the point, because I'm not looking at the letter, I'm looking at the content. I don't even see the letter. It's what's inside. But that's if you're, if you're able to understand the language. But if you don't understand the language, what do you see? All you see is the letters, the shape, the form, the external. And that's what you're stuck with. That's what you're left with. So this world, this world, we, get the, we just get the physical speech. We get the letter. And that's what we see, and that's what we focus on, that's what we zero in on, and that's what we notice, and that's real to us, and that's what we experience, and that's our reality. Everything is external. Everything, from relationships to eating to business. Whatever we do, our whole life is superficial and external. And we can't get past it. That's, that's our nature. Unless through the Torah we rise above it. We rise above it, and then we can zero in and focus in on the inside, on the godly, and the divine, and the purpose, and the content, and what it's all about. But that's the, the soul of the letter. But this world is essentially made up of the physical of the letter. And we can't get past it. It's like a, a ceiling. We just can't get past it. We can act in a divine way. We can act in a godly way. But the reward for that will only receive the afterlife. In this world, we can't receive the reward. As we learned in the previous letter, the reward of the mitzvah is not in this world. The reward is there. And it's the result of the mitzvah. But we can't access it only in the world to come. In the afterlife, when the soul is disembodied, when the soul leaves the body, that the soul goes to its eternal reward, that it receives the divine pleasure and divine benefit from the infinite light that the soul draw down through its deeds, through its mitzvot, in this physical world. But other than that, we are blocked. We are limited. We are bodies. We are living in the physical world, in the most earthy, crusty, coarse, crass, external, most superficial of all worlds. And therefore, that's, that's our reality. We get to deal with externals, superficial. But the, in the soul of a letter, the soul of a letter, that comes from the Yud. And that's what the soul gets to experience in the afterlife. Now, he's, now, the rabbi is going to ask a question. When the rabbis say that Yud refers to the 
is the source of the world to come, meaning the afterlife, the Ganeden, the Garden of Eden, spiritual Garden of Eden. And the hay, this world, the physical world is created by the hay. The rabbis are actually referring to the different letter hay. There's two letter hays, there's two hays in Hashem's name. Yud, hey, vav, hey. Yud, ke, vav, ke. So Yud, the rabbi is referring to the first letter, the Yud. The hey is referring to the first letter hey. The first letter hey represents bina, understanding. It's true, the last letter hey represents speech, which is the breath. But the first letter hey represents the bina, the understanding. So what do you mean that the, this world was created with the letter hey? The rabbis say is referring to the letter hey, the upper letter hey, the higher level. This is also the meaning of the stay amachpela in this week's Torah portion, the double cave, the cave of machpela. This refers to the hey. The hey is double. Even you pronounce a hey, mm-hmm. is hey hey. You spell a hey, hey hey. If you spell out the letter hey, the pronunciation, based on the pronunciation, you spell out hey, hey. Hey is hey. Hey ends with a hey. Begins with a hey and ends with a hey. So it's double. Because it refers to the higher level, the higher level of hey in Hashem's name and the lower level of hey. But, so this explanation, Alter Rebbe says that this world comes from the physical speech, so to speak, from the breath, the hey which produces all the letters, this is referring to the lower level of hay. But the rabbis are referring to the higher level of hay. So what do you mean that this world, the source of this world is the hay, the higher level of hay? Not so. We just finished explaining that the source of this world and the reason why this world is so obtuse and so dense and so external and material is because it comes from the lower level of the hay. It comes from the external part of the letters, the actual speech, which is the most external, superficial part of the person. So it's the most external, superficial part of the divine. When the rabbis, in truth, are referring to the most internal part of the divine, the upper level, the upper hay, the higher level hay, which refers to Hashem's intellect, bina, which is Hashem's internal self, so to speak. Not the speech, which is the most external and superficial. That's what he's going to address here. Now, though this is the lower hay, the latter hay of the four-letter name of God, supernal speech is of the level of Makhut, as alluded to in the verse, King's utterings reigns. The hay that is the source of speech is thus the lower hay of the the letter which denotes the level of Makhut. While our sages of blessed memory expounded this, that the world to come was created by the letter Yud, and this world by the letter He, from their reading of the verse, for by Yud, He, did God create the worlds. Since these are the four, first two letters of the divine name, how are we taught here that the statement that this world was created by the letter He refers to the lower letter He, the source of breath of the letters of speech? And the question is, Self, right? It's obvious. And he's going to explain that the two hays are parallel. The two hays are similar. The two letters are parallel. They have the same shape. What does the letter hay represent? 
So the, the upper hay is the source for the lower hay. So it's like the source of the source. So the upper hay is the source for the lower level hay. So this world actually comes from the lower level hay. The actual speech, the breath, like the physical speech, the external part of the letters, the external part of speech, which is the most superficial, most external part of the divine, Hashem's speech, which creates this material, physical, dense world, which blocks, doesn't allow us to access the internal. But what's the source of speech? The source is the higher level of hate. Because the Yud represents Chachma. Chachma itself has no words. It's beyond words. It's the flash. It's the eureka moment. It's the, the kernel of an idea. It's the vague, fuzzy sense, feeling, the, the lightning bolt. But you don't yet have it in words. The hay represents the understanding, putting it into words, taking the concept, fleshing it out, engineering it, building it, just like the letter hey, it has breadth, it has width, it has height, it has length. It's, it's a building. You build it up. You have a beginning, you have a middle, you have an opening, you have explanations, you have words, letters, until you fully grasp the concept, which ultimately, ultimately leads to the emotion. Once you understand something and you go deeper into it, then it leads to a feeling, to the heart, to the emotion. Once you have the emotions, that leads to thought, which leads to speech. So it's the emotion, the breath comes from the, emo- from the heart. The hot breath, the heat, it comes from the... So it, it's an expression, the words and letters ultimately come from the, the heart, which results from the understanding. So words and letters begin with a higher level of hay. It begins with bina, that's the source of words and letters. When you understand something, then you can put it into words. The eureka, the chachma, the originality, the creative idea, I can't really put into words. It's like an impression, it's like a dream. It's, it's, I don't yet have it into words. It's just a sense, a felt sense. Where do words really begin? When you start analyzing. When you start getting logical. The people are very creative, but, but don't have an ounce of logic. And they talk and talk and talk, you have no idea what they're talking about. But they themselves don't know what they're talking about. Everything is vague, fuzzy impressions. But when you get into the world of logic, logic is very precise. Does it make sense? It doesn't make sense. Two plus two is four. Explain it. This leads to this conclusion, and this principle leads to this. It's very precise. The engineer, you have to be scientific, you have to be very clear, very precise. You can't talk in generalities and vague. It's not poetry. Bina is very analytical and very precise and very logical and it means you have to grasp it. You have to truly understand it. You have to truly grasp it. That's where words really begin. That's really the source of words. So you can't get to the physical speech unless you have the analytical, the hay, the grasp, the firm grasp, the understanding. And that leads to words, and that leads to letters, and then from there it goes to the heart, from the heart it goes to thought, and from thought it goes to speech. And when you speak, then you get the physical speech, the physical words, the breath, the physical sound, 
physical shape of the letter, and, and that's the root of this world. So the root of the root, the source of the source, is the hay. That's what the rabbis mean. It's not referring to the final source, it's referring to the original source. The original source of this world comes from the hay, which is the source of words and letters, of, of defining, of bringing out words and letters. Because yes, you're right, the root of words and letters, the ultimate root of words and letters, comes from the soul, comes from the subconscious, comes from the yud, from the chach. And that's why words are magical. But that's the soul of words. That's unselfconscious. Until we learned it last week, we weren't even aware of that. That's something that's so deep-rooted we don't even realize how deep-rooted it is and the real dynamic of speech but superficially externally speech is, is exactly that superficial external it's just the breath it's the physical speech it's the and it's the most external part of the person you don't even need it for yourself but it's when you speak that it brings out the deepest part within you because it's rooted in the deepest part within the deepest part of your soul. But that's not something that's obvious. That's not something that we're conscious of. That's something that is the reality. But that's the soul of words, the soul of speech. But on the surface, speech is superficial and external and inert. Words are dead. It's like a vehicle, whatever you put, a container, whatever you put into. Whatever goes into the car, the car will drive. Whatever, whatever sits there, whatever you put into, words are dead, inert. You can put whatever content you put into, the words will convey. The words themselves are dead. And that's why the words itself, the speech itself, creates our world, which is, which is dead. Our world appears dead. It appears lifeless, fragmented, dense, material, external, superficial. The stone certainly looks dead. No form of life whatsoever. It sits there thousands of years without budging. And we know many people are like that. So, so this world is, is, this is the world of <laughs> the most superficial, the most external <laughs> of all worlds. You know, we go to our lives and sometimes we, we, we feel like stones. We haven't budged, we haven't budged an inch, we haven't grown. At least grass grows. We've stopped growing. Emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, mentally. If anything, we're maybe we're growing the other way. And um, like a stone, it doesn't budge. We're satisfied, we're complacent, we're so arrogant, we're so proud of ourselves, parading in the streets, proud of ourselves. And this is death. This is dead, spiritually dead, which passes for life and progress. This is not progress. This is, this is, this is worse than a stone. So this is the, this is the world that we get, we get this inertia, inertia, this inert, seemingly lifeless, soulless, meaningless reality. And we just see the letters. We don't see the content of the letters. We don't realize the content of the letters. The purpose, the meaning behind it, what it's really all about. We just focus on the letter. The scientist is like the, the person doesn't speak a word of Chinese and he's measuring the letter and dissecting the letter and <laughs> finding the letter. And misses the whole point because he doesn't understand the meaning of the words and letters. So he's busy measuring and taking it to the laboratory and dissecting it and, 
He's, and he's speaking Chinese to him, the whole world. He doesn't understand the content, the soul, the meaning, the purpose, what it's all about. So that's our blockage. That's the world. That's the source of the world. It comes from the lower hay. But where does it originate? To get to the lower hay, first you have to have a, a higher hay, which is the world of understanding and, and analytical and logic, which that's where words and letters begin to formulate. That's where you begin to formulate words and letters. Because in the Chachma, there are no words. Not formulated. It's not. The words are not rigid. That's why Chachma is compared to uh, like water. Water is fluid. It can. It can. You can make it into any shape. Versus Bina is like ice. It's already rigid. It's already defined. Logic. It's already defined. The words are defined. You have clear words. Yeah. Versus with Chachma, it's impressions. It's. it's flexible, it's malleable, it's, it can be this shape, that shape, any shape, it's, you can't pin it down, because there are no rigid words yet, it's all just, it's very close to the source, it's very close to the soul, the window to the soul, so you don't yet have any rigid form, shape, so how do you get to the lower level of hay, the actual speech, it begins with a higher level of hay. Only there do you have formulated words and letters. And, and then, from there, it makes its way down to the actual physical speech, to the breath. The lower hay, which is just the breath, the physical speech, the voice, the sound that the other person hears. And that's what creates this world. So it's not a contradiction. That's what Alta W is saying. This is because its source and the beginning of its progress into a state of manifestation from the obscurity of the youth is influenced and drawn forth from the level of the upper hay. The obscurity of the youth of Chochmah is the source of every manner of revelation, both of the world to come as well as of this world. As this relates to the letters, it serves as the source of revelation both for the form as well as the matter of the letters. It is only that in the resulting revelation of the letters, the form of the letters, and the revelation of the world to come emanate from the letter U, from Chokhmah itself, while the revelation of the matter of external aspect of the letters emanates from the breath of the heart, from the letter He of the divine name. The form or shape of the letter He has dimensions of length and width to indicate the faculty of Bina, for the upper hay of the divine name denotes the level of Bina, which is the expansion of the concealed intellect into a state of manifestation and apprehension, extending into that, and its diffusion, the diffusion of the flow of Bina, culminates in the heart. Thus, it is written in the Supreme that Bina is the heart, and by means of it, the heart understands. Thus, the diffusion of Bina takes place within the heart. So what does the Zohar mean that Bina understanding is the heart? Bina understanding is in the brain. The heart is a seat of emotions. Because it's only Bina, it's only when you fully understand something, you understand something very well and you grasp something, that ultimately 
it could lead to a genuine emotion. It could lead to the heart. If you don't have a genuine understanding, you don't really develop a mature emotion, a genuine emotion. You know, only a fleeting emotion, but a genuine emotion has to be... That's why Bina is called the mother that gives birth to the emotions. Because when you understand something, and you understand something very well, then you can think deeply about it, internalize it, which gives birth to an emotion, a lasting emotion, a real emotion. So if a person doesn't yet have words and letters, he can't really generate an emotion. If you just have a fleeting idea and vague concepts and fuzzy, nebulous, spiritual concepts, you can't really give birth to an emotion. As a matter of fact, the Easterns are not big into emotions. They think it's all a maya, it's all an illusion. An enlightened person has to go beyond emotions, has to be emotionless. But to really, to really genu- to create a genuine emotion, you have to first have a conscious level of understanding. It's only when you internalize something and you truly grasp something, then you can truly feel something. And then the emotions are real. You know, after 9-11, it was, it was enough to give you the goosebumps. You had, to, they had these, some spiritual gurus going on the air and telling everyone how we should uh, send flowers to the terrorists and we should bombard them with love and send them flowers and, and we shouldn't hate and we shouldn't go to war and we should just smile and sing uh, Kumbaya and, <laughs> and um, you know, and it, it's enough to give you the chills because these people don't know the meaning of love. Because if you truly love someone, how do I know someone truly loves someone? If you can't hate, then you don't know the meaning of love. If someone comes to your wife and to your child who you love more than you love yourself, and someone tries to harm them, and if you invite them for coffee and start singing kumbaya and sending them flowers, you're a monster. You're not human. You don't love your child, you don't love your wife or your spouse. If you don't take a knife and defend your wife from being raped and murdered, you're sick. Something is wrong with you. You don't love. You don't know the meaning of love. So when you're talking spiritual, vague, abstractions, love, it's that the person doesn't know the meaning of love. That's why the Torah says you have to hate Amalek. If you don't hate evil, if there's nothing in life that disgusts you, that's why our custom is by Elena we spit. If there's nothing in life you spit at, if nothing in life disgusts you, there's nothing in life that inspires you. (laughs) It means you don't love. Everything good, everything goes, everything is wonderful. It's so impersonal, it's so unreal. Are you a real human being or are you a robot? So a person is very spiritual. I'm beyond emotions. I'm beyond ego, I'm beyond emotions. I'm in a blissful state. There are no emotions, there is no ego. That's not a real human being. A real human being, a person who has real emotions, Emotions that actually change our behavior. 
You can be spiritual, but it doesn't change your behavior. So you're living in la-la land. You're living as a mountaintop. Divorced, disconnected from the world. Tuning in and tuning out. So it's like you have two different lives. Your life is compartmentalized. You have one life which is completely divorced from this world. and has no impact on your real life, on your daily life. In Judaism, there's no such dichotomy. In Judaism, Judaism has to impact your daily life. So it has to impact your emotions. It has to change your emotions, affect your emotions. The only way to affect your emotions is if you have a conscious understanding of godliness. Not enough to have a subconscious, meditative, blissful, <coughs> otherworldly <coughs> level of connecting with Hashem. You also have to be able to connect with Hashem on a conscious level. If you can't articulate and you can't grasp and understand and put into words your relationship with Hashem, then you, then you, it, you can't develop a mature, genuine, real emotion that changes you, that will affect you and change you and move you. Otherwise, it's just a little abstract or the worldly. It's not, it's not real. So Bina, that's what the Zohar says. Bina is Liba. You want it to affect your heart? It's only when there's Bina. When there's a genuine understanding, a deep understanding, a profound understanding. An understanding that you can articulate, you can grasp, you can put into words, you can explain, explain to yourself, explain to others, and explain it to yourself, and then go deeper into it until you internalize it, integrate it, and then it will change you. You will be changed. Your genuine emotions, you will be changed. You will develop a mature emotion, an emotional relationship with Hashem. That will lead to an effect that will affect your thought, your speech, your action. It will affect you. You will become a better person, a changed person, a different person. Versus just divorcing yourself, disconnecting yourself, tuning in and tuning out, running off to some mountaintop. And then, then you're not real. You're escaping yourself. That's what you're doing. It's escapism. You're escaping your real self. Emotions are not real, and we're not real, and it's all a maya, and it's all uh, an illusion. It, then it's an escapism. It's not, it's not reality. So the only way to really connect, there has to be a conscious, a conscious, bina is conscious, the beginning of consciousness. Chachma is more a window to the soul. It's more connected to the subconscious. It's the it link between the subconscious and the conscious. It's the origin, the origination, the creativity that, begins the conscious process. But the actual conscious process is really bina. The grasping, the logic, the understanding, the firm grasping, understanding, explaining it to yourself fully well, which leads to a genuine, mature emotion. Which leads to thought, which leads to speech. So that's why the hay, that's why this rabbi say that this world is rooted in the hay, in the higher hay. Of course, because that's the beginning of consciousness. And that's the beginning of words and letters, which leads to the heart, which leads to, to the actual speech, which is really the source of this world, which is the physical speech, because we are rooted in the external part of the speech, which is the sound and the ha and the hey, the, the, uh, the voice, the sound. And that's what we get, that's what we grasp in this world. But where does it all originate? Where does the hey originate? In the higher hey, in the higher level of the hey. Too. Their issue is the breath, uh, the original manifestation of the body of the letters of speech, which become revealed from the concealment of the yud through the five organs of speech. 
then from the heart comes the breath. Physical breath comes from the heart. Then it goes through the lungs. And then the way the breath goes through the different five different categories, the throat, the larynx, the, the, the teeth, the, the, the lips, the, the palate, the tongue, that forms the different categories of speech and, and the five different families of speech. And within them also, how you shape your lips creates each individual letter. But ultimately, it comes from the heart. So speech comes from the revealed. Speech is revealed. Speech comes from the consciousness, but it comes from the heart. The breath comes from the heart. But what affects the heart? That comes, that's rooted in the hay, in the bina, in the understanding. That's, that's consci- where consciousness really begins. Yes, it originates in the yud, in the chachma, in the creative spark, but where does consciousness seriously begin? That's why the chachma is like the father, the sperm, it's the spark. But where does the child formulate it? Where does the creativity really begin? Where does it's formulated in the mother, and that's bina. That's the beginning of consciousness, which leads to the heart, which then leads to the physical speech, the voice, the sound, the physical speech. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.